0: This episode of the Skift podcast features a discussion from a recent online Skift event. To join us and learn more about future Skift events, visit live.skift.com.
1: And now for our closing session of the day, please welcome President and CEO for Hilton, Christopher Nassetta, for a discussion with Skift founder and CEO, Raphael Ali. thank you chris for being here
0: great to be with you uh before we get started i did want to voice one small complaint uh or really a a question for you i want to know i was here last in 2019 by the way it's fabulous to see some some well i can't say smiling faces because i can't see their mouths but Nice to see a lot of people in the room. But I, did I do something wrong to be the last speaker uh, in, of the day in 2019 to get the 5:30 p.m. <laughs> slot? Was it? Is it? I, it mean, we, that... I, I would have asked you this backstage, but I thought it would be more yeah, interesting I think it's for everybody your, to hear uh, this yeah. live.
1: Tell your team to renew their subscription to skip Research, <laughs> and then we will put you earlier in the day. That's so, fair. That's uh, the reason. We, we didn't
0: renew it? Oh, my God. No, no, no
1: you did. You did, we right, did. Carolyn? Okay. They, they renewed. Did, I think they're right. all They're all all good. All right. I guess Thank I'll you forgive much. you. I we have
0: some it. people here. I said to my team, like, is anybody? We're like, that's sort of a rule of thumb. Like, you're between... Everybody in cocktail hour, like.
1: No, it's good. What?
0: Fade, right? what well, the good news mind? is
1: the good news is we're just going to relax and talk, and you're going to open up and talk about love it. I'm going to tell you shit.
0: anything you want to know. So, um, all my inner uh, most feelings. Uh,
1: so let's let's start with obviously the Delta variant, um, and uh, I think in the Q2 earnings call you said you were um, you, you 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 didn't factor into your projections. Um, uh, two weeks into September, I guess three weeks now, what's your feeling now? Has anything changed or you're seeing that sort of plateauing out and things coming back? I,
0: I would say you know sort of big picture um, what I talked about on our second quarter call, which was very early in the Delta ex- right. experience um, and a lot and a bunch of things have changed, which I'll come back to. But big picture what I talked about was my faith in the resilience, of the business, you know the de- underlying demand, both natural and pent up demand, in all segments. We obviously had seen that in leisure like crazy already, right. but we were really starting to see it in business travel, and we were really starting to see it in the bookings on meetings and events, like like these events. And so, my big picture view then was: Listen, as we get towards the end of this year and into next year, and COVID was still an issue, and Delta was early you know, I think we are on a solid road to recovery and I have every confidence that we're gonna continue to see, um, you know, pick up in the segments that that have been lagging and that it was a natural consequence of not just a health issue, but you know, a a recession that was brought on by a health issue. I've been doing this for longer than I wanna admit, but every time you're coming out of a recession, you know we've seen leisure lead not quite the, you know by this measure but generally leisure lead business travel meetings and events follow and so you know over the pendency of the you know the next three or four quarters my view then was I think we're gonna get back to sort of a place where we're pretty much where we were in 19 not not in the full year like mm-hmm. next year but on a run rate basis and I would say because you asked me a question I will answer it I don't really feel any differently today but if you then dive a little deeper into like where we are at this exact moment relative to what I would have hoped for then I'd say we're a little bit behind it does not change my view on the broader trajectory it does not change my view on what I think on a run rate basis we will achieve next year based on what's going on with covid and what I see in demand patterns and booking patterns but i think and i'm not I, I, it's impossible to be perfectly scientific i think what we did is we inserted like four to eight weeks of going through this delta you know spike that is i think you know if you read all the data feels like it's sort of getting under control right. and as i go out and talk to customers i mean we you know we finished the best leisure season we've ever had in 102 years mm-hmm. so that's pretty healthy and it you know
1: and this is just in the strength of the u.s market
0: we finished our best leisure season in the world, but it driven, you know, driven by the U.S. market. And we expected August to drop off in business travel. It always does, right? People do go on vacations. They don't travel for business. And it did, um, but not that much. Not, not, you know, not a whole lot different than we expected. And post-Labor Day, you know, it's picking back up. Probably mm-hmm. a little slower. If, if I were being really objective, I would have thought it would have picked up a little bit faster Um, The slope would have been a little bit steeper when I talked about it on Q2 than what we're seeing now. But it is, you know, in September, as we get deeper into September, it is recovering. Meetings and events, as I said, it's wonderful to see all all of you here. I mean, that is pushed out a little bit because people, Mm -hmm. it's easy for people to say, "Eh, you know, I don't know if I, I, you know, should we do this event? Big businesses are saying, I don't want to put people in harm's way. And, you know, they have, you know, risks of bad PR and all that. So that's sort of getting pushed. But my view had been and and remains that that's more of a, I mean, we'll get some fourth quarter meetings and events more than we've had, but that's really a 2022 sort of phenomenon. So, you know, yeah, I think we inserted some number of weeks, not, you know, maybe a couple months, but not much more than that. And I think my fundamental optimism, um, which I think is well founded on data, you know, about sort of the trajectory of where we're going and how, This will play out next year is pretty much what it was
1: what about um, and I should I should obviously remind all of you Or anybody who's watching online that we we will have some time for questions So uh, go to the app and put your question in and uh, I'll get all these questions here So hopefully we'll be able to answer some of those uh, if we have time so um, you have a contrary I guess uh, Contrarian view to the popular view on business travel
0: do Would I? Really? I mean, I don't know. It depends who you talk to, I guess. You've had a few people on stage. Yeah, that, of course. Brian was here that, yesterday that, and I he think thinks support, business travel that is, that is not supports coming supports their out. business model, and so I'll have a view, I guess, that'll support mine. But um, <laughs> here's what I'd say, um, the way to think about business travel is, um, in the end, I think, businesses need to travel i mean i run a big business talk to a lot of people that do and i can tell you pretty uniformly regardless of what people say in the you know in skift and everywhere else you know the the ceos that are running big big businesses know they need to get people back together in offices um, more than they have it and they know that they got to get their people back on the road because they need to build culture they need to build relationships they need collaboration they need you know innovation culture building and all of those things are very very hard to do digitally i mean i i don't listen i've done more digital you know virtual zoom and all that uh, you know i i'm pretty advanced in that stuff but i, I don't know about the rest do of you thing. enjoy I'm, it I'm ex- no i'm exhausted by it. my lower back can't take it anymore because i i can't sit in one spot hunched over you know my ipad but i think the fundamental truth is this is a a core part of 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 doing business and it's really interesting to say you never travel and you'll cut back and of course you will because you've had to cut budgets back and so that's normal in a recession and i think it fundamentally will remain true and the budgets will increase until people have to deliver alpha i think it's really great until you're competing on a deal and the other guys go out they travel and they have a dinner and they build a relationship and you lose the business so it's a competitive world the one thing that that
1: what about long-haul international relationships
0: matter and you cannot build relationships the same way particularly new relationships are Mm. almost impossible in that format so my belief is business travel will recover and as sure as i'm sitting here i'll pick a mark three years from now business travel will be Greater than it was in 2019. By mm-hmm. the way, this summer before this, the, the um, spike in Delta, it was 75% in our system of prior uh, business transfer, it was 75% of prior levels. And w- one of the things we do is we filter through our own world. So what's happening is a massive bifurcation in business travel. Small and medium businesses are traveling a lot, right. big businesses are not because they don't, you know, the risk, the budget cuts, and all that. In our business, and we're, at almost, you know, second biggest and one of the biggest in the in in the world, eighty percent of our business transient travel is small and medium businesses. It's not. We love the big businesses too, for those of you that are out there, but it's the minority of our business. Small and medium businesses don't have the luxury of saying, "Yeah, we're not going to travel." What's happened? You know, I think we are now coming through a health crisis, and we are in a. Cyclical recovery of business travel because people clearly have cut budgets and all that. And that's why I've said publicly dozens of times that um, that ultimately, you know, you have to go through a number of budget seasons to get that back. The last thing I'd say, which we sort of talked about in the back, is if you lift way, way up, right? Every, you know, and you go back over the history of time, whether it's leisure travel, business groups, meetings the thing that's really driven travel is mobility, okay? You know, mobility, you know, the the, the demographics of middle class is growing, people wanting more experiences than things in the last 20 years, and in my own view, and, you know, my opinion is that COVID, those that think that that sort of, you know, stopped all that are wrong. I think that It stopped it for a while because it sort of had to kill mobility to to tackle the problem. But it actually reinforced all the reasons why people want more mobility and want more experiences. And they're going to have the disposable income to do it because the middle classes around the world are going to keep growing. So my underpinning on demand in our business, whether all segments is you're going to be living in a world of greater mobility. Think about even if like, let's say which I do think people are gonna cut back office space needs. We probably will, mm-hmm. right? We're gonna be more efficient. We'll do hoteling. we'll do all sorts of things. What does that mean? It means more mobility. That means our people, they're not gonna work from home. It's gonna be work from anywhere. What does that mean? They're gonna to need to travel more. They're gonna work in hotels. They're gonna need meeting spaces. They're gonna to have to come to the home office for a week a month just to you know, do training or, or you know, have some semblance of relationships it means more mobility, more people moving. The more people move around the world for various reasons, the more we grow our business. And Mm -hmm. that's the way it's been for a 1,000 years, and that's the way it'll be for another
1: 1,000. Well, we hold the the last evening's whole theme was the feature of human mobility, which was the point was if the world moves more, which certainly the wave of nationalism, um, which is happening all around the world, would make you think otherwise. But uh, our, our speakers yesterday argued that that's a momentary phase, sort of the last. I, I
0: agree. I think I think it's very. I think it's a fool's errand. Not that I'm calling anybody that was here a fool, but I think broadly it's a fool's errand to um, trendline off of the bottom or the top. Or anywhere near the top i mean because when things are really great we always trendline that oh my god it's a new world order and everything's always going to be good and when things are really bad and you have these seismic things happening which are what's happened over the last year and a half pretty seismic you sort of you know we're human we sort of trend line you know we filter for that and we sort of trend line off of that and i think i think bill gates said this recency you know,
1: bias obviously well. yeah you
0: know, it, 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 it's it, we're we're factoring with a lot of bias and so that's why I think you gotta sort of get, get through this. We could debate is more mobility gonna be better for leisure, better for business, better for meetings and you know, my view is it's gonna be better for everything. Like mm. demand levels, any, you know, demand levels when I'm, hopefully you invite me back in a better time slot next time. <laughs> um, when I come back in three years for the first time slot, if I behave myself and we re-up our subscription or whatever we're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll be saying, I, I'm hoping, and I think you'll tell me you were right. Like all your segments, like leisure went back is probably a little bit greater than it was, but it's not what it is. I mean, that, you know, cause people do go back to work. Kids go back to school and business travel and meetings and events have had a, a phenomenal run. Pent up demand, people understanding more than ever that they need to build relationships, congregate, collaborate, you know, to, to be able to innovate and drive businesses. So we'll see, time, you know, if you give me the right slot, we'll come back and you can, you can hammer me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I, I'm, I, would bet, I would bet a lot of money. And that's what history would say. I mean, it's a much more, you know, not as major an event. I mean, if you're here in New York, obviously it is, but 9-11, I remember, you know, on the days following 9-11, nobody was ever gonna get on a plane. Why would you ever get on a plane in a world where you could fly into a building. Like I was in, I was running another big hotel company at that time and it was like nobody would get on a plane. You woke up a year later, two years later, we came up with coping mechanisms, TSA, better security, everybody was fine and nobody was thinking twice about it.
1: Let me ask you this question so, so things,
0: you know, people yeah, go back to
1: to doing a to lot of
0: things patterns like that. that are you know what i would say bill gates you know famously said a while ago like things change over the long term a lot more than people think and over the short term a lot less,
1: a lot than, less people than people think, think yeah and so
0: my you know i sort of share that philosophy like don't trend line things aren't going back to where they were i do think offices are going to be i think a lot of things are going to be different but underneath it all mobility in the world's going to increase it just has to people want it and they're going to get it and it's going to come in a different, bunch of different forms that is going to be good for our business.
1: Speaking of, of obviously mobility, uh, the travel industry got some great news this week with the US borders yes. reopening. Uh, one of my questions that I prepared last week for your team for you to answer was to Biden administration uh, on opening international travel, what would you advise? And I guess he, they took the advice before you gave them the they advice. They
0: took the advice. You know, they, listen, we've been, as an industry, many people in this room. And Myself included, have been working with the administration, and, you know, both administrations, you know, but yeah, obviously, you know, it's it hadn't been really ripe until we got enough shots in arms, and I think the you know the the guys COVID czar, I guess they call him COVID coordinator for Biden, So a super close personal friend of mine, so I've been talking to him periodically throughout, and I think appropriately, their real thrust has been like we got to deal with getting Americans vaccinated, and you know, we don't want to have you know enhance our risk by bringing anybody in that you know that would that would slow down the trajectory of sort of getting past you know covid particularly during the delta wave but you know they've done a lot of work we've done a lot of work and we've you know we've been you know working with them to point out that you can do this safely just like we can all be here and we're vaccinated you know so can international travelers come into our country with the right protocols and we can do it safely in a way that's not you know going to change the risk profile for the country. And I think we're at a point where one, I think they, they agree with that. And importantly, they, you know, we're not done, but they've got a lot of shots in arms. You know, when we started talking to them four or five months ago or six months ago, I mean, honestly, I think it was, it was very hard to get, have a real conversation because they just hadn't gotten to the point of vaccination that they they were comfortable with it. And they had a very Myopic focus as they should right. have on it's that okay. issue. So I, I applaud them for doing it. I think it's going to be, you know, great. Again, I think there's a ton of pent up travel. I've been traveling a bit. Internet wherever they'll take me. There's not that many places. I was in Europe a couple weeks ago for another conference, IHIF. We had you know eight or nine hundred people there, um, and I, it'll be great. You know, it'll be g- great to get those those uh, travelers back, and you particularly see- for our cities. I mean, the reality yeah. is. If you look at the data you look at our numbers because nobody can leave you know like this summer and all that the numbers were great as i was saying because nobody left so they just you know they roamed about the country a lot of drive to vacations and it was all pretty good but the cities you know if you look at like our if you look at our system across the the u.s business system-wide five percent of our business is international not that much maybe four or five if you look at the big cities, some, you know, they're not all the same, but on average, they're like 20 plus. Mm. So it's a, it's a big deal for the cities to, to get the cities back on their feet. And obviously, the cities are lagging, you know, the resorts. Are you
1: seeing any improvement, like for instance, New York City? Some,
0: slow. I mean, as you would guess, the, the, you know, I'd put it in you know, sort of three buckets, like broadly, resorts, sort of non-city everything else, and city, like, and I'm grossly oversimplifying. Yeah, yeah. And the performance is in descending order of those buckets. Mm-hmm. The resorts have crushed it. We've had a big steep slope and every, you know, non-city everything else, cause a lot of drive to and drive to business travel. And the cities have been bringing up the tail end. They don't have the international travel, you know, the health issues and den- more dense areas, um, you know, are, you know, are more, are more concerning and you know we've had labor and lots of other things yeah. issues going on in the cities I think it's just been sort of a combo platter of things every city is a little bit different but they've been lagging but uh, you know this is going to help it's gonna help the cities in a in a big way and yeah everything is every city is improving it's just not as fast just as, as not as fast as everything else
1: speaking of resource how did you miss on that Appalachia group deal <laughs>
0: You should ask Mark Coplamazian, is he speaking?
1: No, no, he's not here this year, but Alex was, was gonna be here. He
0: we here. Listen, we look at everything out there. We've obviously not been particularly acquisitive. I don't think that's a mystery. And why is that? It's very simple, we don't need to be. I mean, you know, we look at the, you know, the scale that we have, the network effect that we have as a result of our segmentation, as a result of our ge- geographic diversification, um, and then the pr- product quality and consistency of service delivery we, we put the whole thing together We've really created what we think is an industry leading network effect And I think we can demonstrate that by the fact that we have the highest market share of any of the major global branded players So I think that's pretty good evidence that that it works And so when we look at m and we look at it in the context that we have something that's working really well we have opportunities to do more things like since i've been at the company 14 plus years we've doubled the size of the brand portfolio we went from 9 to 18 brands so it's not like we've been sitting around we just did it organically why did we do it organically because we could develop brands that were purpose-built for exactly what we think a modern need uh, the modern needs of a customer are and it's much higher return when we're not buying it and then spending our time fixing other people's problems which invariably exist, in that In that kind of environment so we look at everything we looked at apple we've literally anything that's trading traded including starwood back in the day when we were Mm -hmm. private we've looked at some of those things we spent a lot of time on but when we put it through a really simple filter of like strategically does it enhance our ability to deliver for customers what what they want and economically is it really accretive to our shareholders uh, as a result of doing it pretty much So far, nothing has has, uh, made it through the filter. Now, at the same time, we've grown faster than everybody, and we've done it organically, and the returns have been phenomenal, right? So, um, you know, we've been, I think we've doubled the, you know, it was a big company when I got here. I think we've doubled the size of the company, doubled the size of the brands, and we haven't bought the first thing. So it's working, right? So it doesn't mean none skiffed. Or other, period, you know, that we're not going to be in the front page every day, but that's not what we're looking to do. We're looking yeah. to deliver the absolute most reliable, friendly experience for our customers and deliver the best returns for our shareholders. And I and we are maniacal about it, and that's why we do what we do.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, in terms of, you talked about labor, and obviously this is a problem everybody's dealing with, I'm sure, including you. Probably, is it, would it be fair to say, one of the top things in your mind? Definitely. Definitely. How do you solve it?
0: um it's complicated so there's not there's not one answer i mean not one simple solution i would say um things are already happening that will that will help that will take time so i think when you look at the labor issue i think it is i think if you think about how we went into covid we already had certainly in some roles on the front line we already had pressure on labor particularly in in the area of housekeeping but in other areas as well on the front line They weren't extreme, but they existed. Then you went into COVID. Then you had health people not wanting, you know, to work because of their health issues. People didn't have anybody take care of their kids. And it's a very, you know, young workforce. And they have, you know, children, elderly parents, you know, they have childcare, adult care. Um, And then you had a number of things happen from a policy point of view, by the way, all of which I supported heavily. And I would argue in the beginning of the, you know, the unemployment insurance from the federal government back in March and April of 2020. I was, I would argue, the tip of the spear to be pushing for that. But over time, you know, it, it, had some, it had some impact in terms of when there was demand and when there, was, there were jobs available. I don't, it was not helpful, right. right? And you put sort of all that together. Government will pay me. I can't I don't have anybody take care of my kids. I'm, a, I'm worried about my health. It's a toxic, you know, it's a toxic brute. Now, so, some of that is is resolving itself. Unemployment has, has ended. Yeah, you know, yeah. the states there, the federal has ended. Almost all schools, you know, are open. Right. We, have, we have ubiquitous access to um, vaccines. We'll see with the OSHA stuff, likely eventually yeah, mandates, we'll right. have
1: mandates. Are you doing amended? For your we employees? have not.
0: We, we're working with the rest of the industry to figure out what OSHA is doing exactly, and then we're going to make judgments.
1: You, but We've done
0: it. We, we've mandated it in our corporate context, but okay. we have not. We're wait, we, as an industry, a number of us, we've all been talking, and the last thing we want to do is come out with something, and then OSHA comes out with their regs two weeks from now, and it's something and that's different. different so, right. so we're waiting. But to, to finish the point on labor, some of those things are easing, so time is going to help us. And then I think you know, the, the greatest you know, way that we help ourselves is we ultimately take great care of our people, and we have an incredible culture. Number one, great place to work in the United States, multiple years running. Number two, in the world, that's because we, we pay well. We give great benefits. We create a family environment where people want to be in it, and they, and they tell their friends they want to be in it. And so ultimately, long term, you know, having a great that's why we build a great culture, so we have the best talent That is inspired to to serve our customers we're going to have to help it beyond just kids going back to school and unemployment insurance By figuring out more creative and innovative ways with the use of technology which we're investing in and scheduling In access to you know to flexible labor and gig labor and much more sophisticated ways which we've been developing over years for how we're training people Mm -hmm. so that we realize that while we do this in a limited way like where we have search hiring and markets resorts different times a year that you know a lot of are going to be a bunch of people that say like maybe i don't want to work full-time like i did ever again or i can't because i got child or you know family care of some sort but i want to work a day or two a week and we just have to i think and we are as a company get much more sophisticated about how we about do that, how we pay right. people, how they actually get paid, you know, physically, you know, and, and, and using technology that is much more friendly to, to, uh, and much more flexible, scheduling, access to other pools of talent. So we're in the process of doing a bunch of investing and thinking and actually, you know, action to, you know,
1: get more access yeah. to labor. Brian, can you put five more minutes on the clock? Sorry, just we're 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 in a zone here. Um, so um, let's do quick lightning rounds on a, on a on a few things. You know,
0: I'm not good at lightning, but <laughs> uh,
1: yes, we'll no? try. Okay, we'll try. I'll we'll do try. I'll do, um, do you think that the, the the housekeeping not being daily is permanent now in in, in the industry?
0: Do I think it's what?
1: Housekeeping not being daily, uh, meaning cleaning of the of the room. Here's
0: how I think about it. I think that, that there's a, you guys, I don't think have done it, but a, a bunch of the other press just got this wrong. Um, my underlying philosophy, and I'm a zealot about this, and I have been for the entire time I've been at the company, is that our job is to deliver The most friendly like i said this reliable experiences for customers and the, the key way to do That is to give them choice and control and to be able to do it at massive scale so that you Effectively for we serve 200 million people a year can customize the experience at that level Why because if we take the friction out We allow them to do get the things the way what they want the way they want it in the palm of their hand like they have for most of the rest of their life then they're gonna be happy it's gonna be a better more reliable and more friendly experience and they're gonna stay with us more and we're gonna get a a higher market share and so the answer to the question is what I think doesn't matter because it's an option for the customer it's Mm. choice and control so ultimately right now it's you know we're, we are working it, it is not in our app but it will be very soon and it'll be super frictionless and super easy for people to say I want it or I don't and mm-hmm. that's a good thing because there are people my wife I found this out during COVID I never knew this she doesn't like housekeepers in the room in between stays and like I had like it was a huge epiphany I said are you kidding me why well you know I don't You know, I don't know. I got my stuff. It's all where I want it. move my stuff around. I like it. But the the, the truth of the matter is there are people on all sides of it. Part of it's COVID, and I don't, you know, the health. But part of it is just that some people, you know, don't want people in the room. And so we're not taking it away. We're just giving Giving them choice and control. You have the choice, and you control if you want it. We won't decide for you. And that think of that thematically in everything we do, right? The more we give people choices and make it super friction free and, and give them the control in the palm of their hand, I think the better their stay is gonna be. Whether that's in-room technology with our smart room, whether that's you know the digital key that we Led the industry in and digital room selection, where we have the yeah, mask, which, the no, which correct, nobody yeah. has. Yeah. Whether that's um, confirmed connecting
1: rooms. Yeah, let's ask which this nobody, question, so... nobody,
0: believe it or not, in the industry has, but us. All of those things are choice and control. You can go on the app, you can get that, you can control it. If you don't want it, fine, don't, don't, don't pop the button. If you want it, great. Options. Last I checked, optionality is a very powerful thing.
1: Um, to your question on family travel. Uh, what did it took until 2021 for one brand, <laughs> only one brand? I, I, I launched A funny a story about,
0: we, of course, launched it this summer. I'll give you the answer. And I got, like, within minutes of it going out, I got a picture of the headline. And a text from my wife, and she said, "Oh, this is really great. Now that our kids are grown up, you finally got off your, you know what, and did this." And I was like, "Oh, great, thanks." Because <laughs> my kids are—I have six daughters. They're 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 eighteen to twenty-eight. It's like they don't, yeah, they don't want to be in connecting rooms anymore. Um, and so I thought that was funny. He's like, "Yeah, sorry, sweetie. You know, it, like, we couldn't get our act together." But listen, we're the only ones in the industry have done it, so that should tell you something. Like it's not easy, and the reason isn't and this is what we've been doing, you know, working on for five years and we're at the very tail end and we accelerated a lot of this work during COVID, ironically, when a lot of people were cutting things is, is really just um, totally reimagining our tech stack. And, and so all of these, the reason all of these things are hard in the, in the old hotel world, okay, is that you had these two monolithic, archaic systems that everybody has, PMS, Property management CRS, you know reservation systems. And they were all, let's be honest, they're old, and while they worked, they were like, I would I would argue like shoestrings, bubble gum, duct tape. I mean, they, you know, they just weren't built for a modern the modern world. You have such you know advances in technology. They weren't built for the kind of scale that we now operate in a number of countries and all that. But when you're these big companies, it's hard. Like you, you know, you're flying. It's like taking a 747 over the. You know, you're trying to repair engines, but you're in flight. You got to make sure you keep the plane in the air. So the industry broadly, I think, has been very slow on that. About four or five years ago, we said we're getting out of that world. We're going to reimagine the whole thing. We're going to go open source, cloud-based microservices. We are going to have a tech stack that's as good as any of the startups that you know that are out there that you know in the in the tech world. Because we have to, and we're just going to have to make the time and investment and manage our way through it. And while we're not 100% of the way through it, we are. Our CRS is all done. You know, um, you know, open source microservices. You know, it's it's amazing. We can now atomize inventory. We, you know, you could have like 26, you know, room types. We can have you know a billion room types. and We can do all sorts of really cool things. And the PMS probably by realistically middle end of next year will be pretty fully deployed. And then you put all that together. In the meantime, we can do things now just by virtue of where we are. When we get all the way through it, it allows us to plug and play from a microservices point of view, all sorts of interesting things like confirmed connecting rooms. But we were able to do it in part because we've made enough progress on to uh, to connect those dots. And I, you know, when we get probably a year from now, I think the opportunities are far far greater these are little things i think you know think about a world where you go on and we can we can atomize our inventory for every single customer so we know that you want to be you know in a in a high floor you know nowhere near the elevators and you love that you know you want a breakfast meal and you like we can put together literally a atomized package for your exact need and put it in front of you and and uh Charge appropriately instead of like making you work, you know, so hard to figure all these things out. But the systems underneath it have to allow it. Have to allow it, and so that's why it's taken so long. But we're we're almost there. I mean, we're there to be able to do a lot of it. We'll be fully there soon.
1: On that optimistic note, uh, I, I do have ten more questions, but we're really out of time. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, we got to let will...
0: him go have cocktails. I know now. That we
1: really are. In all right, we have the a deal.
0: We'll kick it off, and we will yeah,
1: right. in twenty twenty two. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right.
0: Thank you.